Hi, this is Cheryl Richardson and welcome to my weekly Facebook Live. It's really great to have you here. And, um, and for those of you that are watching this after I've been live, welcome to you too. I'm glad you're here as well. And I appreciate you watching this. Um, I decided about a half an hour before going live that I was going to talk about restoring dignity. And as I walked into my office, I looked out the window out over our backyard. And in our backyard, we have um, a large field that goes, uh, that has rolling hills that go down to a reservoir. And in the middle of the field, I have a path that's been cut that gets mowed every single week, a path that goes down um, to a beautiful bench in the middle of the field that just looks out over the land. Um, the bench was put there by my dear friend and handyman, Larry. He made it for me and put it there. And so I walked into the office. I looked out the window at the field and standing at the opening of that path, staring straight at me was a young buck. He was looking right at me, <laughs> full stand, you know, full sort of, um, what do I want to say? There's just this, well, this dignified position, um, young horn, you know, little horns, maybe six inch horns coming through. And um, uh, he just stood there. And I looked at him and I was just my, I was, I was breathless. I mean, it's just the most extraordinary sight. I have pictures and I have a video and I'll post them afterwards. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'll show you some of the pictures. Um, I'm under coach on call and I took a video. I'm hoping that it comes out because I just took it literally before I came on here live, but it was just the most extraordinary moment. He just stayed there staring directly at me. I have a bright blue shirt on. Maybe he could see that. I don't know. Um, I always wave to them when they come. But it's interesting to me. I always have deer show up just before I'm going to do a Facebook Live. And I don't see them quite often in the summer. The field, I let the field grow high. So they, they're often hidden by the tall grass. But this guy was right in the middle of the, the mode part, just standing there. And he sort of had this beautiful exchange for a good 10 minutes. He just stood there. And then all of a sudden he started to walk toward me and I ran like hell to the living room to get my camera with the zoom lens so that I could get his picture. And the whole time I kept saying, please be there when I get back, please be there when I get back. And sure enough, when I arrived back, he's still standing right there. And I took several pictures. I'm just hoping that they're not blurry, that they came out. I was so excited. And, um, and then I put the camera down and he took a few more steps toward me and then just stood there. And so I just, in my mind, communicated with him, let him know that I was just so, that he was beautiful and that I was, and so dignified and that I was so grateful that he would show up at a time that I was gonna talk about dignity um, almost as a messenger, as a symbol. I've had, it's very rare for me to see a buck in the field. I see um, does all the time. I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen um, a buck. And um, 
often they show up during very significant times. The last time I had a buck show up in the field, it was in the winter time when the field was mowed. And um, I was about to have a very, very difficult conversation with someone and I was scared. I was really scared to have this conversation because it needed, I needed to tell the truth and I needed to um, just deliver news this person didn't want to hear. And all of a sudden the buck appeared and he did the same thing this young one did, but he was much older. He had a full, you know, set of antlers. He just stood staring at me for the 15 minutes that I was on the phone with this person. He stayed right there. And as soon as I hung the phone up after having the conversation, he walked away. And I've never seen one that mature since. So I'm going to take today's buck sighting as a really um, a great sign, not only for me, but for all of you. Um, and if he happens to show up while I'm talking, I will flip the computer around and show it to you. I know he's in the field out there. I just can't see where he is. Anyway, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And um, I do want to talk about restoring dignity. And I can't think of another better way to start than to um, share with you a new book that's out by my friend, um, Megan Watterson. Some of you may have seen it on social media. It's called Mary Magdalene Revealed, The First Apostle, Her Feminist Gospel, and the Christianity We Haven't Tried Yet. In um, the fourth century, there was an edict that was delivered to have um, the gospel of Mary Magdalene destroyed, to have all of the copies destroyed. But there was a um, uh, somebody who discovered a, a part of the document um, and kept it, kept it safe. It's not, it doesn't have all the pages. It's missing some of the pages, but um, it was found. Two of them were found. And um, Megan does a really, really extraordinary job of writing a book about the teachings that Mary Magdalene writes about in her gospel. And um, I really want to encourage you to read it. I think it's so important that we um, know the truth about our history, that we, uh, as women especially, I know we have a lot of women that follow me here. I certainly know we've got men too. Joel, I see you there. Um, I think it's really important that we I feel like we're at a time on the planet when we need to really hear the story of wise women. And not only is Mary Magdalene's gospel the story of a wise woman, the teachings of a wise woman, but Megan Watterson, who was a scholar of the divine feminine, she went to Harvard and um, has done a wonderful job of writing about, it's sort of like you get this perspective of Mary Magdalene from from her time and Megan Watterson's perspective from her time. Hold on one second. Forgot to shut my phone off and I want to do that. So it's, you get a modern day perspective and an ancient perspective. And I really want to encourage you. I'm so proud of her. I remember when she was first talking about writing this book and she was scared out of her mind and, um, and all of us really encouraged her to do it and what she's, what she's accomplished here is really important. And so I encourage you to pick up a copy, Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. You can see it right there. 
And um, Megan, if you see this at some point, I want you to know, brava woman, I'm so proud of you and so excited for you and excited for people who are gonna read this story. And um, I wish you all the best with this book for sure. <laughs> so let me um, take a couple of moments just to say hi to the people I can see here. I see Kath, welcome to you, and Teresa and Sharon and Ev and Rachel. I'm glad some of my, my tried and true fans here and Joel and Sue and Muriel and Sheila. Welcome to you, Sheila. I'm looking forward to seeing you in October at the retreat. Hi, Sandy and Sharon and Sylvia and Laura and Zoe. And um, good morning to you. You must be maybe from Australia. Um, Sarah and Lynn and Maria and Colleen um, and Kendra's and Michelle. Thank you all for being here with me. I'm really grateful that you are. And I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about dignity and restoring our dignity. And then um, I'll take some of your questions before we wrap up. Um, think about somebody you know who really, uh, somebody you know who uh, you treat with dignity, somebody maybe who commands dignity by their presence, someone that you know who is dignified. You know, what do we do when we um, treat somebody with dignity? We listen to them. We respect what they have to say. We make it clear that what they have to say is important to us. We might be curious about them. We treat them with respect, certainly. Um, we treat them as an adult. We speak to them as, as though they are a, we speak to them as the mature, intelligent, capable adult that they are. We're gracious, right? So when I think about restoring dignity, I often think about how we treat somebody that we consider to be dignified, because it's a wonderful um, way of then turning the, turning the lens, if you will, around to ourselves and asking ourselves, you know, do you listen to yourself? Do you really hear what's going on in your heart and in your soul? Do you listen to the wise part of you? Do you respect yourself? Do you respect your body, your heart, your, your needs, your desires? Um, do you honor your thoughts and your feelings? You know, do you honor your feelings or do you override them or negate them, deny them? Um, do you respect your own thoughts and opinions and perspectives? You know, all growth, self-care, self-love, dignity, self-respect, self-esteem, self-worth, they're all related, all interrelated. All of these things begin with us and with how we treat ourselves. Now, it's a process over time. If you grow up in a family system or in any kind of a system where you're not treated with respect, um, you're not treated with dignity, your, your body isn't respected, your heart isn't respected, your feelings aren't respected, then there's a really good chance that you will carry on that legacy by not um, 
by, I mean, you can't, it's hard to respect ourselves when it hasn't been modeled for us. That's really what I want to say. And so it's a process over time where little by little, as we begin to practice better self-care, we raise our level of self-esteem, we um, increase our ability to hold ourselves in high regard, we increase our level of self-worth and self-respect, and automatically as a result, we um, expect to be treated well by others. And um, we feel entitled, a healthy sense of entitlement about being treated well by others. And so one of the ways to restore dignity is to just sort of scan your life and notice where in your life you feel like you're not treated with the respect that you deserve. Now you can start with yourself. Where am I not respecting my needs? Do you need more rest? Do you need more time to yourself? Do you need to feed yourself better? You know, like what are the voices in your head that you keep, you know, what do you commonly hear yourself saying to yourself? Oh, I need to get to bed earlier. I need to take better care of my body. I need to get out and move. I'm hungry to be in nature, to appreciate the beauty of nature. Um, I need a different job. I can't stand the job that I have. For those of you who saw this week's blog, I spoke about a woman who was being treated really poorly by her boss, really abusively by her boss at work. And she was looking for ways to just deal with him more effectively when in fact I said to her, no, 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 we need to reclaim your dignity. Because when you do, you won't tolerate that behavior. And um, when it's that abusive, he would talk down to her in front of coworkers, he would, um, he would uh, humiliate her in front of coworkers and yell and scream and all of that. I mean, the minute I hear that, honestly, as a coach, I'm not going to talk to you about a strategy to work more effectively with him. I'm going to help you create a plan to get the hell out of that job because that person's so far down the path of um, disrespect and uh, dysfunctional behavior that I just as soon put the energy into you leaving the job. And I understand people have to work. They have to earn a living. I have been in that position myself, but it doesn't mean that you can't reclaim your dignity by making a plan to get yourself a new job. So you can begin by looking at how well you respect your own thoughts and feelings and needs. And then you can then sort of scan your life and look at where in my life do I feel like I'm not able to stand tall, to stand up for myself, to be fully seen as who I am? Where in my life do I feel like I have to um, manipulate the perceptions of others, be what somebody else wants me to be rather than be who I am? Um, where do I not feel heard, listened to, seen? Where are my opinions not respected, my thoughts not respected? These are some of the things we want to think about. And I would encourage you to just pick one, one example and work on that, work on one place. So if, for example, it's I need to respect myself more and my needs, so I need more time to myself, or I need to take, you know, I need to get more rest. Um, I need to stop being so busy running around like a crazy person. I need to, um, I need to really just take better care of myself, then that's a good place to start. Pick one thing, get to bed early and do it consistently. Um, I need to set a boundary with somebody who's inappropriate. You know, 
there's a family member who calls me every single day and just drains my energy. Well, maybe you let the phone call go to voicemail. You start to do that, you know, once a day or twice a week, like just little by little, we take steps to restore our dignity by treating ourselves with the respect we deserve. Because when we do that, we model to others how we want to be treated. You know, we've heard it. You've heard me say it. You've heard, I think, everybody and their mother say we teach people how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. And so as you begin to take better care of yourself and to treat yourself with more respect, you'll naturally begin to attract that experience with other people as well. I mean, listen, how many of you know when someone acts like a doormat or when somebody is so beaten down that they they behave like a doormat, people around them know it. And people take advantage of that. People who are not very functional or who um, you know, act inappropriately will take advantage of that and will often you know, just continue to not treat that person well at all. It's a classic bully, right? Bullies you know, prey on the people who are sort of meek and um, uh, you know, appear powerless or vulnerable in some way. And so it starts by really looking at where, do, where am I not able to have my dignity in my life and what do I need to do about that? And of course, if it feels overwhelming, like I need to find another job or I'm in a marriage where I'm not being treated properly and I don't know what to do about that, then you gotta get some help. Don't try and restore your dignity alone. I certainly couldn't do it. For the longest time, I would get great support from friends, from therapists, from coaches, off and on over the years, depending on the situation. We all need to learn a healthy sense of entitlement. And I'm not talking about from a place of ego. I'm talking from a place of um, self-worth and self-esteem. Um, we need to be, we need support to take a stand for ourselves. Because in the beginning, if you're not used to doing that and you haven't done that for a while, then it's really easy to feel like jello. You know, I used to talk about the life makeover groups that I created years ago. I would say that life makeover groups are like jello molds, so that when you're beginning to stand up for yourself and to practice better self care and set boundaries and um, say no and disappoint people and all of that, the supportive people around you hold you up while you're feeling kind of wobbly and nervous until you set until you're strong enough within yourself to be able to say, I will tolerate this, I will not tolerate that. You can speak to me this way, you can't speak to me that way. Um, you know, you just, you, you treat yourself with more respect. So it's not easy, I understand that. And as I began this talk by saying, it's a process over time. One small step at a time, we restore our dignity. And as we do, we naturally begin to draw to us people, opportunities, and experiences that reflect the new level of self-worth that we have. So um, there are places in my life where I still work on that, where, um, you know, I would say that there are places where I, I, as I work on restoring my dignity or standing up and having a voice for myself, here's what changes. It's not that miraculously someday we become like fully cooked and we have unending self-esteem and self-worth and we never have to worry again. It's, you know, we're human beings and we're on this planet and it's a tough place to be. But what happens for me, I find, is that the period between when I'm not standing up for myself and when I, when I return to a sense of um, dignity and standing up for myself, the period of time 
gets shorter and shorter. So I catch it when I'm not allowing myself to be treated well and I rectify the situation much more quickly than I ever have before. So that's what I would want for you. You deserve to have dignity. You deserve to feel heard and seen and respected and treated graciously. Um, you deserve to have such a level of self-esteem that you can't even imagine letting somebody yell at you, disrespect you, criticize you inappropriately, speak down to you. Like I, I, that's what I want is, you know, for you to reach that point where you just, you can't even imagine having people like that in your life or you know, sometimes we do have people like that, but you can't imagine not standing up and saying something to that person. So it begins with how well you respect yourself. So scan your life and look for a place where you can get to work on that. And um, if you'd like some help with that, you can post a question in the comments section. And um, I would be happy to um, take a look. I'll scroll through. Remember, I can't scroll backwards for some reason. Facebook won't let me do that, but I can scroll forward. So I'm going to look at your, um, um, yes, Rachel, I will post a picture of the deer. I'll try and get the video on Facebook. Um, absolutely. Once, um, sometime, you know, in the next, in the hour after I finish this Facebook live, without a doubt, I'll post it here. Um, let's see. So if you have a question, or a comment, you can post it in the uh, comment section here. Um, yeah, Kath says, I'm learning this now. Um, it's a constant working process of self-awareness, finally giving myself what I need internally. Good, that's great. That's great, Kath. Um, yes, Sheila, every inch a queen. That's what I wrote about in this week's um, uh, in this week's blog, you can find it at CherylRichardson.com. Marion Woodman, who was one of my early mentors, um, she was a Jungian analyst and just an amazing teacher, one a rare, rare breed, used to say that when she was struggling with self-care, she would remind herself, every inch a queen, I am every inch a queen. And I remember hearing that and writing it down. And um, I have it right here in my office. Let's see. Um, I need my power back. Lori says, usually I'm a super confident person with dignity and integrity. I've let life beat me down so much in recent months. I'm trying to climb back up. Thank you for your words today, Cheryl. You're very welcome, Lori. And you know, things happen in life where we do feel beaten down. The good news is you've been there before where you've had a sense of dignity and self-respect and where your self-esteem and your self-worth has been higher. So the path to getting back there will be easier and quicker because you know, you, you probably know what to do and you know where you're headed. So I always say self-awareness is 50% of the battle. As soon as we recognize, oh, wait a minute, I'm not treating myself with respect or I'm not being respected by, you know, the people at work or my family or my friends or whatever, then as soon as we know what's going on, then we can do something about it. Um, Great. Yes, Joel says self-confidence is attractive. It's very attractive. Very attractive. Um, um, Nanetta says, thank you, Cheryl. I feel so vulnerable and I needed that. Good. And I'm speaking especially to you, Nanetta. 
Um, you deserve to be treated with respect. And you also deserve to protect your vulnerability. It's another way that we raise our self-esteem is by protecting ourselves when we feel vulnerable so that we don't have to wall off, but we're able actually to embrace our vulnerability so that it can teach us something about what we need. So that's a good thing. You just want to make sure you surround yourself um, you surround yourself with people who can support you and protect you as well when you're feeling vulnerable. Um, Dina says, how can I help someone else grow their self-respect? By modeling it yourself, Dina. Um, some of the, my greatest teachers in my whole life have been people, and to this day, it's still true, people who have a healthy sense of entitlement teach me about the ways in which I can raise my standards in that regard. So we become examples for one another. And you can be an example for whomever it is that you want to teach um, or share, inspire to be more self-respectful by doing that yourself, just modeling that behavior. You know, somebody who models the behavior of not standing up, uh, of standing up to a bully empowers everybody around them. Somebody who says, I'm not going to stay at this job and allow this boss to treat me that way. I'm going somewhere else, models that kind of self-worth and uh, courage and behavior, self-respect to the people around them. It's a very, very powerful way of supporting people by being a power of example. Um, let's see. Amanda wants to know if I'm in a committed relationship. Yes, I'm married, and I've been married for 21 years last month. Um, yeah. So Jeanette says, a friend of over 40 years cursed at me, and we've not resolved this. I have to let this relationship go. Well, you know, Jeanette, before you let the relationship go, I don't know exactly what happened, but I wonder if you just need to have a conversation about what happened, how you felt, hear about how the other person felt, and see if there's a way that you can practice um, both of you being heard. This is assuming this person is capable of this. I'm wondering if there's a way that you can create a safe place for the both of you to be heard to see if the whatever it was that happened um, could be resolved. And here's why. Um, because um, if we don't learn how to do those things, if we don't learn how to have these difficult conversations, let's say, then we often find ourselves right back in the same situation in the future with somebody else who is inappropriate or somebody else who upsets us. And we can't keep running from people who upset us. At some point, one of the ways you raise your level of self-respect and self-esteem and self-worth is by standing up for yourself um, and doing so in a gracious way and being willing to listen to the other person to see what it is the other person um, was really trying to say beneath the curse word or the inappropriate um, behavior. So I just want to kind of put that out there as a possibility, something to think about. Um, um, Linnell, Linnell, sorry, says, I find it hard to find the words to stand up for myself, how to be gracious and not defensive. Can you offer advice? Yes. So when you get your buttons pushed, whether it's by a boss at work, a romantic partner, um, you know, a friend that curses at you or whatever, it's not uncommon for us to first, when you get your buttons pushed, to just be reactive, right? That's what happens. Your buttons are pushed and suddenly 
all this energy rises and you have, you know, a lot of times if somebody's, if somebody's really inappropriate to me, I am usually stunned into silence. I can't even find the word. And I'm a pretty darn good communicator. I can't find the words to say anything. So I always say, Linnell, best to walk away. You could even say to the person, you know what? I need to go kind of regroup because I'm having a strong reaction right now. I'm going to take a break, gather my thoughts, gather my energy, and then I'd like to come back and have a conversation so that you give yourself some space. And then from there, you can walk away and begin to notice, how did I feel? What happened? What's being triggered for me? You know, whenever, um, if you become hysterical, it's often historical, like a big percentage of that reaction has to do with the past and not the present. So you want to be able to, to take some time to figure out, okay, what buttons just got pushed from my past that I can separate out from what's happening right here, right now. Um, and then you can begin to craft what it is you want to say. You can go back and have a conversation speaking from the I place. I felt really hurt when you said what you did. I felt really hurt when you cursed at me. When that happened, I couldn't hear anything beyond that. I was just so hurt that I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't process anything beyond that. What was going on for you underneath that? You know, um, so crafting language that begins with I, that just owns has you own your feelings and lets the other person know what is and isn't okay in relation to communicating with you. Um, so give yourself some time before you do that. Um, Anna says, I'm such a perfectionist. How do I let past mistakes go? So let's say you make mistakes in talking with somebody, having a straight conversation with somebody, setting a boundary or reclaiming your dignity in some ways. Um, if you've done something wrong, you make amends. You say you're sorry. But if you haven't done anything wrong, then what you need to do is really have a, a loving conversation with yourself. And Anna, I often will put my hand on my heart and I'll say to myself, sweetheart, it's okay. So you made a mistake. You're going to make plenty more. That's what this life is about. It's about learning and growing and making mistakes and figuring things out as we go. And I'm not going to beat you up anymore. You see, the thing often that we're most afraid of, Anna, is the, the, the way we speak to ourselves. So a perfectionist is going to say, you shouldn't have done that. You should know better. Like you're, the inner critic is going to come up with all of the most valuable um, evidence for why you should just berate yourself. But that will never, ever, ever do you any good. Instead, you have to speak really lovingly and kindly to yourself. Okay, sweetheart, so we made a mistake. You know what? We learned something. We won't do it again. All right? Um, I got your back. I say that to myself a lot. You know what, kiddo? I have your back. I'm not going to beat up on you. I won't do that to you. You will be with you longer than anyone else on the planet. As my dear friend Louise Hay said, make it a good relationship. We do that by being really loving and kind with ourselves. Okay. Let me see. I'm going to just scroll through here one more time before um, we wrap up. Um, yeah. Carolyn says, wow, I needed to hear this. I'm a dementia caregiver. God bless you. And I feel like my confidence and self-esteem and, and driving to get my life back. But I try every day to turn it around. I feel in my situations like people just care about their own feelings, not mine. I feel like I was raised to treat people like you 
like you want to be treated. Thank you, Cheryl. I needed to hear that. Yeah, Carolyn, you know what? Sometimes I say, if you want to get a really good idea of how, um, how you want to, of how you should treat yourself, pay attention to how you treat other people. Usually um, when we're caregivers and being a caregiver for people with dementia is really tough because they often, because they don't think clearly, they can be very abrupt and ungracious. So you might need to have regular breaks from that for sure. Um, but it's very common for those of us who are caregivers to give the very thing we want. It's almost like on an unconscious level, we actually think we'll get what we want if we keep giving it. It's not even unconscious. Well, it's, it's a lot of times it's unconscious. Like we just don't realize it. Most women I found who are caregivers keep giving what they desperately hope to get and they don't get it and they feel resentful. So then they stop giving for a short amount of time and then they go back trying even harder. So Carolyn, I would say you need regular breaks. You can make a list for the next week, make a list of everything you give to everybody else. And then the following week, start giving those things to yourself. That will have a dramatic, dramatic positive impact on your life. I have no doubt, no doubt at all. All right. Um, oh, Linnell, I also wanted to say in my book, Stand Up For Your Life, there's a chapter on setting boundaries, and there's some, um, I write in there about, um, uh, both in there and in The Art of Extreme Self-Care, about the language that we can use to say no, to disappoint people, to set boundaries with people. So you might want to check that out. Okay. Um, anyway, all right, I'm going to wrap it up there so, we don't, so I don't go on too long. But I want to thank you all for being here with me. I hope that this week you will uh, really think about, think deeply about your dignity and um, how well you treat yourself and how well you allow yourself to be treated by others. And remember, as I said, scan your life looking for just one place where you need to restore your dignity and get about the business of doing something about that this week. All right. Um, remember the self-care for the self-care by the sea retreat in October is open for registration. You can go to CherylRichardson.com. I'll also post a link here. Nicole will post one here when we're done um, in case you want more information or you'd like to register. And um, I will I'll look forward to being with you again. Um, blessings to all of you. Thank you for being here with me. Take really good care of yourself and I'll see you again soon. All right. Bye everybody.